Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A big move in the mortgage market this week as Nationwide became the first major high street lender to offer equity release and retirement interest-only mortgages. We have Jason Herwood of Nationwide here to explain why the Building Society is moving beyond the mainstream market. What do the latest delays in the Brexit process mean for individual investors? Kate Beerley, FT Money investment writer, tells us where people are placing their money as the uncertainty rumbles on and why fees could cost you dearly when exiting a pension scheme. Josephine Cumbo, pensions correspondent, reveals some new research which suggests that action being taken to bring fees under control might still leave you paying over the odds. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm James Pickford, Deputy Editor of FT Money, bringing you all of this week's money news. If you want a mortgage on a home and you go to a big bank or a building society, you'll normally be offered a standard uh, mainstream mortgage of the type where you pay back the capital and the interest at the same time over the course of the loan. If you want anything else, say an equity release mortgage, otherwise known as a lifetime mortgage, you'd have to go to a specialist provider of these loans. But that has changed this week as the UK's second biggest lender nationwide announced it's to offer equity release to borrowers over the age of 55 alongside its conventional repayment mortgages. It's also going to be offering a third type of mortgage called a retirement interest only mortgage or RIO mortgage, which is a kind of halfway house between the two which is, again, the first time a big high street lender has done this. I'm joined in the studio by Jason Herwood, Nationwide's Director of Home Propositions. Jason, thanks for coming in. Uh, What has prompted Nationwide to make this move, um, to open up its product range in this way? Mm. So so thanks for the invitation. Good to see you. Uh, It's in response to demand, really. Nationwide has about 5 million members, 55 and over, and we've seen growing demand from them to access the value in their home you know people are living longer doing more things wanting to do more things with their money and they see that value in their home as something they want to access so in response to that demand we've looked to launch this proposition to support those and so how will it work if you're an over 55 mm-hmm. person who who rings in looking yeah. for a mortgage with nationwide so we have a dedicated team of nationwide advisors uh, who can operate through our branches. They will look to understand the, the person's needs and wants. So 
Uh, typically, people are looking to, to raise money for a variety of things, whether that's maintaining improving the home, leaving a legacy, uh, holiday of a lifetime, gifting to family, that sort of thing. And we will take them through the options. So we piloted this last year for about nine months. And typically, we would see some people say, look, I want to borrow and pay all that money back or... I want to borrow and pay a bit back in interest or pay nothing. And we will go through each of the three products and typically come up with one of those as a solution or, or maybe multiple. Equally, there are some people that we say, actually, the right thing for you to do is not to borrow money. It's maybe to downsize or use other other assets. Go through all of those and then work out with the customer what's best for them. And in the past, they, they, would have, they might have come to you and you said, you don't qualify for this mortgage please go elsewhere. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. I, th- I think your point from earlier that to access all of those options, historically, you would go to one place for the equity release, maybe to your main lender for your, for your normal mortgage, and then to a small band of businesses for the RIO, the retirement interest only. We bring the whole lot together and we can talk through each of those in, in one conversation, which is, which is great. Yeah. Now, for, for our listeners who aren't familiar with uh, RIO mortgages, yeah. retirement interest only mortgages, mm. can you give us your best uh, and most succinct uh, summary of how they differ from equity release mortgages. Sure. So if you're looking to borrow money on your property or you have money that you owe on your property already, this allows you to just pay the interest back. Pay the interest back for the life um, uh, rather than a fixed repayment date or, or, a, or a repayment strategy is paid on death or sale of property, which, which is a real peace of mind thing for most people knowing that i have a fixed amount i'm paying i pay it forever and then that that uh, debt is repaid on on death or sale of property okay and they've been around for about a year now haven't mm-hmm. they? but they haven't really taken off um why why do you think that is well it's taken us a while to get ourselves in a position ah, where we're ready to go okay. so we were really supportive <laughs> really supportive of what the fca were looking to do with rio okay. we wanted to to work through the proposition and we have been piloting since last august with a small group of customers to test how does the proposition land? What are the questions they're asking? And more importantly for us, how does it fit alongside standard repayment mortgage and equity release? We're happy now. It's in the right place. We launch today and we'll expand to, to all customers from the summer onwards. Great. And you, you know, people with long memories mm. might be slightly wary of equity release, which yeah. you know had a, a, a different reputation in the mm. uh, 80s and 90s. Now, um, is it was nationwide wary about going into that, and do you think those problems have been solved? Well, I, I think we've been cautious and made sure that we do it in the right way. So our our advisors are trained um, to a really high standard. The products are good. The pricing is good, and the interview process, which is done face to face with our customers in branches, so not not over the telephone. Um, so we can talk to them, see if there's any vulnerability. They properly understand what they're doing. That's really important for us. So I think the way that we're approaching this, give them all the options, look them in the eye, make sure they understand what they're doing, talk about the alternatives because they're not right for everybody. So downsizing or using other savings may be the right thing to do. We think we're approaching it in the right way. Thanks there to Jason Herwood of Nationwide. You can read more about the ramifications of Nationwide's move in the FT this week. Now, Kate Bearley has been asking investors, fund managers and wealth advisors what impact the UK's tortuous path towards Brexit has been having on investment decisions. And she's here with us now to discuss the latest thinking. Kate, we were supposed to be leaving the EU uh, two weeks ago. 
Um, we didn't. Uh, instead, we have a series of further delays to the Brexit process. Given the uncertainty is now being prolonged, um, how are investors responding? Um, well, investors are understandably confused and a bit nervous about what to do. Um, and bear in mind that the process or the most recent kind of machinations have taken place at peak ISA season, which has made it even more difficult for a lot of people because they're thinking they want to fill up their ISA allowance before tax year end, but they're very nervous to put money into markets right now, uh, particularly not knowing what might happen in the future. So that's meant for a lot of investors that they have been putting money in cash into their stocks and shares ISA and holding it there for longer um, with the plan of either just holding it there for a while longer out of uncertainty or drip feeding it into the market when they feel a bit more comfortable. Uh, According to Hargreaves Lansdowne, the volume of cash held in stocks and shares ISAs for over a week on their platform has doubled compared to the same point last year. And other platforms are saying that people are just holding more cash in the in the stocks and shares ISA than before. So I think that that is the main thing that people seem to have been Mm. doing. Well, I can see why people might want to hoard cash. But is that a good idea? What are the pros and cons of doing that? Yeah, well, clearly cash is obviously earning you barely any interest, particularly with rates where they are today. And if you're holding it in the stocks and shares ISA, that portion can earn no return. Uh, also, you do risk it depreciating if, if, you know, sterling moves in the wrong way. You obviously risk sitting on a, on a pile of money that will be devaluing mm. and not earning you anything. But on the flip side, for anyone who does need money in the short to medium term, that is a more sensible thing to do because you just don't know where markets will go. So financial advisors have said moving anything between six months to two years income in cash um, is, could be a good idea if you do need that much money. Mm. And which regions of the world are seeing inflows of money as a result of this Brexit uncertainty? You know, what do UK investors favour? Well, the, the interesting thing is that the the things that UK investors have been favouring are very much not the things that have actually been performing well since the Brexit vote. Oh. Uh, so if we look at what's happened uh, since we voted to leave, in fact, the best performing sectors and um, stock markets have been the US and China and really anything with the with a kind of tilt towards big tech and Amazon and things like that. Uh, That's because we've just had this big bounce in tech stocks over the past two years, which has been by no means a smooth ride. Um, And US stocks also hugely benefited from things like Trump's tax reform. So if you just look at this three-year period, uh, the outcome looks fairly positive for some potentially higher risk things. But in fact, what UK investors have been doing is frantically pulling money out of UK equities and in fact pulling money out of stock markets Generally, we've seen these huge outflows from the funds um, all over the UK, invested Mm. in most regions, uh, real consecutive months of outflows, which is very much not the norm, particularly after some years of record inflows. Uh, Does that mean that UK stocks themselves have been suffering? what's, uh, What's been the effect there? Yeah, well, in fact, um, it's been a fairly volatile journey there. But UK small caps were dealt a big blow initially after Brexit uh, with this fear that domestic, any domestically facing UK company might be really negatively affected. Uh, In the immediate aftermath, we saw this big rise in FTSE 100 stocks um, and generally stocks with overseas earnings. And that was a reflection of the movement in the pound. As it stands now, um, in fact, we've we've ended on fairly positive territory for 
for most UK stocks since the Brexit vote, all, you know, FTSE 100, FTSE 250, all ending in positive, positive territory. And that's despite all those fears about, about, you know, UK domestic stocks being hit. Thanks there to Kate Burley, investment writer. You can read more about the impact of Brexit on your personal finances at ft.com slash money. Now, I interrupt this podcast to bring you news of the next FT Money Reader event. Routes to Retirement, Financial Planning for Later Life. Chaired by FT Money editor Claire Barrett, the all-star panel features Josephine Cumbo, the FT's pensions correspondent, Lindsay Cook, our Money Mentor columnist, and Michael Martin from 7IM. The evening is intended for readers of all ages to discuss retirement planning and will be held on the evening of Monday the 29th of April in central London. Tickets cost £35, including canapes and a glass of wine, two if you're quick. To book and view full terms and conditions, go to ft.com slash money event. That's ft.com slash money event. For our final item, I'm joined in the studio by the very same Josephine Cumbo, FT Pensions Correspondent, who has been looking at a piece of new research exposing just how expensive it can be to extract yourself from a pension scheme. This comes as the Financial Conduct Authority last month unveiled plans to ban or cap exit fees levied on customers using investment platforms after concluding more competition was needed. Joe, the FCA's consultation on exit fees sounds like a positive step for consumers, but some are not convinced it's going far enough. Why is that? The main concerns about how exit fees are going to be defined. Now, the FCA is currently trying to work out what should be covered by any ban or cap on exit fees because there are lots of charges which can affect the value of your policy or fund when you try to switch. Now, in a consultation document, the FCA said that it wants to make sure that any ban should include all charges related to exit from a service. Now, this is generally to stop providers from trying to wiggle out of a ban by applying an exit fee under a different name. But at the same time, they've also said that they're not intending to apply any ban on product-related exit fees. Now, this is where the concerns are starting to to um, be raised because, for example, if a ban was applied just to administration fees when you when you leave or exit administration fees. Analysis suggests that it would not capture other fees that can also act as a barrier for customers to switch, including market value reductions which or MVRs, which are commonly found in with profits policies, and are penalties on consumers for leaving other than at the agreed time or date. But there are also other types of fees that wouldn't be captured in that ban, including deferred advice fees and um, management fees that have been agreed at the start of the policy, but are often buried in the small print. So it's really about what is included and how the definition of exit fees um, is settled on Absolutely. by the FCA. So, so you know, looking at the impact uh, of a ban on administrative exit fees, what, what, you know, what, could, that, what could that do? On, what, what effect could that have on the market? Well, analysis by Pension B, which is an online pensions manager, suggests that the majority of providers would evade a ban on exit fees if it was narrow and only applied to administrative exit fees. Now, big providers such as Hargreaves Lansdowne do apply fees, administrative fees on exit, and they can range from about 50 to 100 um, pounds to leave, uh, to transfer. Now, it, in its submission to the FCA, Pensions B analyzed 
analysed more than 16,000 pensions found by its platform and it looked at all different types of exit fees that were on those policies. Now, it found that companies such as St James's Place, Phoenix Life, Sun Life, Aviva and Royal London would not be covered by an exit fee ban if it didn't capture all exit fees. And its findings suggested that of all the major providers, only Hargreaves Lansdowne would be captured by um, a ban if it only applied to administration fees. So how the ban is defined is going to be very important to consumers. And I believe you found some other concerns, or Pensions B, which produced this research, came up with some other concerns too. Well, there's some very interesting um, analysis uh, of the 16,000 pensions from around the market. They found that the prevalence of exit fees was small, with only 4% of exit fees um, applying on the policies, on the 16,000 policies. So it's not not a massive problem. But where it did find the exit fees, they were quite large. In one case, it found an exit fee as high as £16,000. So given this, um, it's very important that the definition of um, exit fees it captures, you know, egregious examples of exit fees and um, things that are really stopping people from moving their money to a more suitable policy. However, they also found um, some other interesting um, examples of, of where exit fees can really harm consumers. And that was that the exit fees, four or five of them were attached to pensions for people aged between 40 and 55. And the reason why this is significant is that people who are aged over 55 are now protected from an exit fee cap. But this cap does not extend to those who are aged under 55. And why this is important is that people aged between 40 and 55 have the most important need to to make decisions and to review their pensions and if and separate evidence from consumer groups and the FCA suggests that exit fees are negatively impacting their willingness to switch and move to a better deal so this is quite a critical bit of evidence um, that pensions B has highlighted in its research well there you have it it could go from 50 pounds to 16,000 pounds uh, that's that's quite a difference so um, when will the FCA make a decision on it there won't be any overnight solution to to this problem, exit fee problems. In addition to trying to work out how exit fees should be defined, the FCA is also considering who the ban should apply to beyond investment platforms. And it's looking at widening it out to fund managers, wealth managers, financial advisors, life companies and banks. So it's still going to be um, consulting until next month. And after that, it might even issue another consultation later this year. So I think it could be at least 2020 before we see any action. Thank you there to Josephine Cumber. You can read her piece in full in FT Money this weekend. That's all from the Money Show this week. If you've got a story you'd like the FT Money team to follow up or a question to pose to our team of financial experts, get in touch. Email us money at ft.com, tweet us at FT Money, or comment on our articles online at ft.com slash money. We'll be back next Thursday at the usual time. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.